0: Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Be in the uh, last half of the chapter, verses 8 through 15. Um, you know, most of what happens at the Southern Baptist Convention, the annual meeting every year, doesn't bear mentioning to you in a public setting, really. Um, it's good for um, ministers to, to know what goes on, but, um, but the average person in the church, not a lot happens there that is you know, truly crucial to, to you needing to know, um, unless you just want to know. Um, But every now and then there's something that happens that you need to be um, informed of and and taught about. Uh, And so something happened this year, technically last year as well, but carried over into this year, that I want to talk about from Scripture tonight um, and and address. Um, So this year, um, at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting in New Orleans, um, Rick Warren stood up and made an appeal for his church, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren, um, I'm sure you know, but he um, is a prominent um, celebrity pastor. He wrote The Purpose Driven Life. He's done a lot of, a lot of other work. Um, Saddleback Church, his, the church that he retired from, but I think he's still at. I'm not certain on that. But um, it's arguably the largest church in the SBC. Um, and last year, Warren retired, and he helped the church find a new pastor. And together, him and the, the people that hired the pastor... They hired a husband and a wife as co-pastors, so it's not it's not that the husband is the pastor and the wife is his you know supporter like like here. It's it's that both of them are pastors at the church, the husband and the wife. So Saddleback Church now has a female pastor in leadership. Um, so last year, 2022 SBC, there was a motion made to. Remove Saddleback from the SBC because they had violated the doctrine set forth in our, um, in our um, doctrinal statement, the Baptist faith and message. Um, that was reviewed for a year and placed on the docket to discuss this year in 2023. On the floor, Warren's, Rick Warren stood and made an appeal. And actually beforehand, Warren sent out emails, I think to all SBC pastors. I got, I got several emails from him. I didn't know he had my email address, but he was sending us emails, um, and um, he, he sent it out to all of us, arguing his case from Scripture that it was okay for women to serve as pastors. Um, several of Warren's claims were, were these. Um, that he, he said that the office of pastor and the gifting of pastor are two different things. Um, he, he said if a woman is not allowed to be a pastor, we're no longer the denomination of Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, And if women can't be pastors, they're not able to fulfill the Great Commission. Those were his three big talking points. Um, The vote was made. Are we going to allow Saddleback to stay in the SBC or not? Vote was made, and 88% of the convention in New Orleans last month voted to remove Saddleback as well as another church from the SBC over the issue of having female pastors. Um, And the... Um, doctrinal statement of the Baptist faith and message was actually updated just a hair to be a little more specific. I um, It already said that only men could serve as pastors, but they updated it just a little bit to say this, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor, elder, or overseer is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. And actually, they, they had a meeting, Mel Baptist Association, last month to adopt that same statement into our um, into our Constitution as an association here in Tiff County. Um, so I want to take a moment tonight and talk about that issue. Can women serve in the role of the pastorate? Um, or, as I've asked in the title of my sermon, if you see in the bulletin, may they serve as pastors? Um, I was at Chick-fil-A yesterday, and I went up to, um, to, to get some more sauce for Adrian, and I walked up and said, hey, can I get some Chick-fil-A sauce? And right then I thought, I hope this isn't one of those ladies that says, I don't know, can you? So I changed that here. This is not about ability. This is not about can they serve as pastors. It's about permission. Are they allowed to serve as pastors? Some denominations would say yes. Even some Baptists would say yes. But Southern Baptist doctrine has traditionally been no, a woman cannot serve as pastor. So what does the Bible say? We're going to focus in 1 Timothy 2 tonight. 1 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 15. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. hated passages of scripture in our current American context. Um, so let's work through it. Um, first of all, let's say that this is, um, this what's being said here about women is not just a cultural idea for the time. That's often the thing that's used to explain this passage away, that we're just talking about um, the, uh, Timothy would have been pastor in the church of Ephesus. So this is just dealing with, with Ephesus and their culture. That's not the case. Anytime somebody wants to make the Bible not say what it says. They'll just say this was only cultural for that time. Um, You'll often hear that regarding these verses, that it only applies to the culture of Ephesus at the time. Um, Sometimes people actually connect it to 1 Timothy 5, verse 13, where Paul says um, that these women that he's speaking of and uh, widows that he's speaking of in 1 Timothy 5, he says "They they learn to be idlers going about from house to house not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Um, sometimes they'll connect chapter 2 to that. And um, so they'll say, you know, you see the church had women running around gossiping and stirring up trouble. And so Paul told the women in the, in the church at Ephesus, don't teach to prevent stuff like that from happening. Um, this can easily be proven wrong simply by reading 1 Timothy 2 again. What does Paul tie this to? He does not tie it to just a situation going on in Ephesus. He ties it to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. This is going back, this command is going back to Adam and Eve. It's going back to creation. If something is tied to Eve, it's meant to be understood as applying to all of mankind. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let me just give you an example. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through Adam. And death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. All right, completely side note related to this, but when I hear that verse, I don't think he's just talking about the church in Rome. No, I hear that, and I think, okay, he's saying that because Adam's sinned, now we're all sinners, not just the Roman church that's reading this, all of us, because it's tied back to Adam. So, this is not just a cultural issue in First Timothy 2, it's, it's tied back to Adam and Eve, it's meant to be applied to all churches. So, Um, let's briefly work through the passage, and then let's deal with all the things that are said about it. So verses 8 through 10 um, tells, well, technically 9 and 10, tells women that they're to be godly, not worldly. Women are not second-rate Christians. Understand that. They're not. They are called to display godliness in the world rather than being swayed by the world. There's all kinds of um, things there that um, there are some, some cultural descriptions in there as to what worldliness looks like in that time. We certainly would not say today that braided hair and you know gold and pearl is, is, you know, is sin for a woman to wear today. Um, plenty of women braid their hair. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the time, that would have been a more worldly thing. He's telling them, look, um, be godly. Don't be like the world. Um, he, he's, he's putting forth that... Godliness is found in the heart, not in what you wear on your body. Um, value and beauty in, is found in what you is what's in your heart, not in not on your body. Women are to be more in love with Christ than uh, today, maybe romance novels or late night wine or online shopping for clothes. Um, verse eleven: Women are to learn quietly. This verse really um, really gets on people's nerves. So let's let's jump into it. Um, It echoes 1 Corinthians 14. Let's flip, hold your spot in 1 Timothy, flip over to 1 Corinthians 14, um, verses 34 and 35. It's even probably more more, um, harsh sounding here. Um, 34 and 35 of 1 Corinthians 14. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Okay. How do we deal with that without sounding, um, well, talking down to women? Um, I'm not completely satisfied with with how my understanding of that comes, but... um, (laughs) um, But um, what... um, What's he saying there? Because if you read the minutes of certain churches back in the 1800s, I don't think it says anything. Well, our church was barely here in the 1800s, but um, there's churches in Tifton that I've been told if you read their minutes, um, they had times in their church when um, women were not allowed to speak. And if they wanted to say something in church, if they wanted to put forth something in church, they had to get a, um, their husband or a man in their family to speak for them. So they had to tell you know, their husband, hey, say this, and he would speak. Well, um, I don't think we can com- completely pull this out um, and say that. Um, I don't think we can completely pull it out and say that women can never, ever, 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 ever speak in church like that, because First, First Corinthians eleven, uh, verse five, back a few verses says um, that that women are to pray and prophesy with their head uncovered in church. So we've got two conflicting ideas there. So. Um, as I was saying there for a second, I'm not completely satisfied with what I'm going to say about what I think this is saying here, but I think this is less about talking down to women and more about um, putting the marriage relationship in the right order. Men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their home. It's calling on the men of their home of the home to um, be teaching their wife the correct doctrine. Um, that, that's how I'm seeing this here. When we bring together 1 Corinthians 11 that says that women can pray and prophesy in church, but they're also to be silent. I think it's it's putting things in the right order to tell men, lead your families. Lead your families. It's calling men to step up. Men, know your Bible well enough that you can help her understand the words, so she doesn't have to ask somebody else. Um, but then we jump back to 1 Timothy 2. Um, the, the big verses that we're going to focus on today is 12 through 14. Um, where it says, women are not to teach. Now, we're going to get into what that means here, because we um, have women teachers in our church, so I don't think it's talking about every form of teaching. Um, we're going to focus on those three verses in a minute, so we're just going to jump over them at the moment. Finally, verse 15, she will be saved through childbirth. What does that mean? Does that mean that she's got to have a baby in order to make it to heaven? No. Um, What was the curse for a woman? You think back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the curse on a woman? She's going to have pain in childbirth, exactly. Often, you know, back then they didn't have all the modern medical practices that we have, so it was pretty common, even just until 100 years ago, for a woman to die in childbirth. It was pretty common. The thing that, um, you know, one of the... One of the the fundamental things that a woman can do is give birth. And in her day, she might die doing the very thing she was, the very fundamental thing that she can do. And even if that happens, um, she will be saved. Even if the curse itself kills her, she will be saved because the curse of the woman is defeated. That's just the comment on verse 15. But let's focus on 12 Uh, 11 through 14 here, 11 and 12 primarily, 13 and 14 deal with the um, analogy. So what are some false views first before we get to actually what this is talking about? What are some false views about what 11 and 12 are saying? Remember what it says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet. What are some false views of that? Well, let me give you a few. The first is Paul's wrong that's a, common, that's a view that people will say, Paul's wrong. He's not right. He doesn't understand things. Obviously, I'm not even going to comment on that. We, we know it's scripture. It's right. Um, so the next would be what I've already said, um, um, that you know, the crazy women in, Exodus, in in Ephesus, they're trying to stop these crazy women from running around and causing trouble in their free time. That's not what's going on either because it ties it back to Adam and Eve. Next, People will look at this passage and, you know, they're smart and they'll go read it in Greek. And they'll come away and they'll say, well, when it says there exercise authority in verse 12, uh, the Greek word says that um, it's actually referring to domineering. Men, women should not domineer over a man. Um, and so it's actually just trying to keep things peaceful. That's, um, that's, that's not what it's saying either. It's when you read it in, um, in, in Greek, um, it's a positive command, not a negative. So it's not, it's not speaking of something bad. It's speaking of something normal. Um, so it's certainly not saying don't domineer over somebody. Um, some people will say that this is just a temporary arrangement for that day. Um, that, that's the same problem as saying it's a, it's a contextual thing for that time. If it's just, we have a duck in the room. <laughs> um, um, that they'll say it's just a temporary thing for that time, for that time. Um, that's the same problem that you run into when you say this is just contextual to that time. Because if something in the Bible is just temporary to that time, well, then we don't have to obey it today. You know, if if the Sermon on the Mount is just temporary for that time, why should we read it and why, why should we obey it? Scripture is put here for us to have all through the ages for us to follow. Some will say, two, two more, some will say that this refers to wives in their home. Um, that's quite silly, because it's not talking about wives, it's talking about the church, if you read the passage. So that's just trying to stretch it. But finally, people will use Galatians chapter 3 to cancel these verses out. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So people will read that, and they'll say, well, now that we're in Christ, um, men and women are the same. Well, I mean, that's true in a status of um, we're all the same before Christ. We're all the same in God's kingdom. But it's not true in the fact that we still have roles as men and women. Like, I can't have babies now that I'm a Christian. I don't lose my maleness when I become a Christian, right? Right? There's still assignments for men and women to do in the kingdom of God. Um, You you can't take that verse and cancel out another passage of Scripture. The Bible values women. It does. John 4, um, the woman at the well is the first person for Jesus to tell he was the Messiah to. So when Jesus started proclaiming, I'm the Messiah, um, the first time he ever does that is to a woman, John chapter 20, the first people to discover the empty tomb are women. So God values women. Women are equal to men in who we are, but God gives different roles to men and women. So as we look at 1 Timothy 2, what is being forbidden here? As we look at these verses, as he's saying these hard things to women, what is being forbidden here? I think two things, first, teaching, and second, exercising authority. But I think you can bring those together as authoritative teaching. 1 Timothy 3.2 um, speaks of teaching as well for something that a pastor is to do, and chapter 5, verse 17 speaks of teaching as well. It's something that the elder does, a pastor, elder, the same thing. Anytime teaching is used in 1 Timothy, it's always referring to the public doctrinal instruction, what I'm doing right now this place it's always referring to this men who don't have the gift of teaching also shouldn't be a pastor or elder because that's part of what's called to be a pastor. Um, it's speaking of the authoritative seat of the pastor women can women can teach in church just not as an elder not as a pastor. Timothy learned from his mother and grandmother, 2 Timothy 1. You hear that Timothy learned from the instruction from his mother and grandmother. Um, Acts 18.26, Priscilla taught Apollos in church. Aquila and Priscilla were teaching Apollos. Um, All Christians, both male and female, are called to make disciples. They're called to go and do that. All Christians are to teach one another with song, Colossians 3.16. Women can teach in a lot of senses in the church, but not an authoritative, pulpit, pastorate kind of thing. Women should not teach contrary to the elders, the, um, the, the seat of authority in the church. If it comes to light that a woman is teaching in the church against the pastor or the pastor's teaching, um, she's out of line in that. She is exercising authority over the pastor, violating verse 12, to do that. Now, some apply this text to say that men, that women can't teach a mixed group of men and women in any case. I don't think that's the case, though. Uh, I think they can teach, just not as an elder. I think that's what's being labeled here. She cannot be an elder, a pastor, that office. My understanding is that the pulpit is the pastor's seat for teaching. So I wouldn't let a woman teach from this spot. Now, maybe you ask, you've had women on stage before. You did a Q&A one time with you and your wife when talking about marriage. You've had women up here for panel discussions. Um, aren't you violating that there? No, because I'm on stage for those. Uh, I'm the elder teaching in that place with the assistance of other people. Those women are teaching under my uh, pastoral authority there. Um, what, what about another situation, though? Um, can women speak at a Bible conference? Um, we were teaching this, this topic to the college students in the spring, and, and they asked questions like that. They asked, um, can, what about someone like Sadie Robertson or, or Beth Moore or K. Arthur or people like that? Can, can they, what, are they doing something wrong? And I, I'd say it depends on the moment. depends on the moment. Um, there are probably times when women probably don't need to speak at a Bible conference because it's gone over into preaching the Bible. But if it's Christian motivational speaking with Bible verses attached to it, I don't really see much of a problem in it. That's not preaching. That's not doing what's being talked about here. And I would say Bible conferences are not local churches. The instructions we have in Scripture are for local churches. We don't have guidelines in the Bible for a lot of things like Bible conferences. These are the rules for a local church, not just a gathering of believers. I've had this conversation with people before, and they'll tell me, well, I think any gathering of Christians is a church But it's not the case. If four of us go eat lunch at Waffle House or wherever, that's not a church just because we're all four believers together. Um, A local church is a gathering of Christians um, that have pastors and deacons that practice the ordinances, what we're doing here. The Bible gives instructions for what we're doing here, not for what we would do at a BCM or at a Bible conference or, or whatever, so there's teaching there, then there's exercising authority. They didn't have nominating committee back then, so um, it's not saying a woman can't lead in ministries in the church. That's not at all what it's saying. Remember, it's speaking here in verses 8 through 15 on the office of pastor elder. Women, can't lead in the ch- women can lead in the church, but not as an elder. They must be under the leadership of the elders. Pastors, elders are overseers, so they are the ones given spiritual authority in the church in that way. Women are to submit to that leadership of her pastor as, as also men should. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, of course, if he's spiritually abusive, that's different. That's not what we're talking about. You've got to add that caveat in today's time. But if, he's, if the pastor is seeking to lead the church God's way for it, though imperfectly, um, the men and the women in the church follow behind that and support it. So what about other situations like, because um, this has been a thing that's come up as well, um, the BCM director at ABAC, even Penny Chestnut, now Ree Reinhardt, They're both women. Can they do that? We have a female music director. Is that wrong? Um, these are not pastoral offices. They're not. They're not the office of a pastor. They may look similar to that to the world, but the Bible hasn't set forth a BCM director or a music director office. Only pastor and deacon are offices in the church. When I was in college, um, one year our BCM had a female president, and um, this guy showed up as a freshman, I think it was my junior year. He showed up and found out that we had a female president. He was from this really strict King James only church. Um and, and he found out we had a female president, he never came back because we're letting women lead the church. And I just told him, like, bro, we're not a church, and she's not the pastor. She's just the student that's in charge of overseeing the 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 leadership team. Um So then if we're going to Um, Delve into that, we've got to ask the question, what is the pastor? What is the office that women are being forbidden to to do here? The the reason this is so contentious, the reason people hate the idea that women can't be pastors is that the pastor is often viewed as the CEO of the church. You know, the highest position up the corporate ladder, the highest position you can get. So if women aren't allowed to be pastors by the world's perspective, there's a glass ceiling that we're preventing her from getting through corporately vocationally. But is that what a pastor is? Is a pastor the CEO of the church? Three verses regarding what a pastor is. Um, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Um, Paul's speaking to pastors here, and he says, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So first, a pastor is responsible to um, pay attention to the flock that the Holy Spirit has made him an overseer of. What is he to do as he cares for that flock? 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Um, actually, two. shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So the pastors is to um, care for the flock the Holy Spirit is giving him, by shepherding that flock, and what is that to be done? Well, it's the verse I've already read, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. watch over souls. The pastor's job is an office put in place by the Lord to, um, to shepherd the flock that is among him from the Holy Spirit by watching over souls. That's the job. It's not a CEO position. It's to watch over souls. It's to be like a, um, like, like a, like a shepherd. Um, All the church members are sheep on the way to heaven, and the shepherd's behind watching, making sure they don't go off the cliff. That's the job, that's the office that the pastor has. A pastor's not a higher position on the leadership ladder. He's a member of the church tasked with spiritual oversight of God's flock. He's often paid the most, we we can admit that, um, but Scripture calls for him to be, verse 17 of chapter 5, that they are to... Um, Be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Some would take that to say, pay him well. Um, So so make that with what you will. But what about other staff positions? Because that's the question that comes up. Um, You've got the senior pastor in a lot of churches that's male. Can other staff members be, um, be women? Because that's the worry of a lot of women. There's a lot of women that are on staff at churches that when the SBC made that case with Rick Warren's church, they got really scared. Oh, no, are we going to get fired because we're women on a church staff? As I've said, the Bible gives no guidelines for other positions in the church, no music director guideline, no children's director, no, no, nothing else. The office of the overseer of souls in the church is the one that we have guidelines for. Now, we don't call the other positions pastor. We don't call the children's director children's pastor or uh, we don't call the music director music pastor. We just, it, it's its not a higher level position like a CEO. The pastor's a specific office. Forbidding women from being pastors is the Lord protecting them. As a pastor, I can tell you it's not glamorous. When you have a church like ours, it's a good experience because you love me so well, but, but the spiritual work of being a pastor is not fun or easy. The, those passages earlier I read about being a, shepherd over the flock and caring for souls like verse one of those verses said that I'm going to give an account to the Lord for how I shepherded. I have a responsibility of watching over souls of of keeping people on track that they don't fall off the cliff. Mega church culture makes pastoring look glamorous because these cool guys get up on stage and make really motivational speeches and get a ton of applause but That's not what the typical pastor endures. The office of pastor in the Bible is not a glamorous thing. It's the men on the front lines of spiritual war. It's the men that the devil attacks most, sometimes from people within the church, sometimes from people outside of the church. It's a difficult job because it is a bearing of watching over souls. Like I I never battled sadness and depression like I do before I was a pastor. Like, before I was a pastor, I never battled sadness and depression the way I do now. God is being gracious to women by not having them have that office. He's protecting them from the pain that comes with it. The goal of our gathering is that people would be saved. That's the point of chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. Um, Back at the beginning, it's that passage about pray for all people, for kings and all those who are in high position, because God our Savior wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, verse 4. He tells them in verse 1, pray, pray for everyone. And then he mentions prayer again in verse 8, pray. Men, pray in the church, lifting holy hands. So as the church gathers, there's things that men do, and there's things women do. And the male elders, the male pastors are to teach and shepherd, and chapter 2 makes that distinction. This is, the quest- this is the question of the authority of Scripture when we talk about this, because Scripture says clearly that only men can be pastors. So when someone starts claiming, ah, that passage only applies to the culture it was written to, they're usually trying to make Scripture say something opposite of what it says. Now, that doesn't mean every person who believes women can be pastors don't hold to the authority of Scripture. I have friends who disagree with me on this, but in the end, only one side is correct. It's not a thing of, well, we all interpret these passages differently. No. For, for most in the culture, though, that they claim women should be able to be pastors. Um, that they do that because it's an, it's an authority of Scripture issue. Scripture is not authoritative to them. God has said something, and the culture says something different. And so it's expected that Scripture should have to conform to culture rather than the other way around. So often it's a slippery slope. So they start off saying that women can be pastors, and then it becomes practicing homosexuals can be pastors, and then homosexuality is not a sin, and then Scripture has errors in it, and then Jesus isn't the only way to God, and then sin isn't a real thing, and then all people go to heaven, so why worry about sharing your faith at all? It starts with these tiny things that um, that we give a pass to, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until people leave the faith. Because if you let one diversion from Scripture happen, more will come. More will come. You have to believe the Bible even when you don't like what it says. Like it or not, Scripture and most of Christian history has said that only men can be pastors. So how would we answer Rick Warren? As I told you he made all these claims. Um, you know, it's a sad day with, with Rick Warren. Rick um, Warren. He's, he's likely been a great influence in at least some of your lives with the Purpose Driven Life book. Um, I've never actually read that book, but um, I know that it's been a big influence in a lot of people's lives. But he's off track here. Uh, I believe he's still saved. I believe we still love him, like, you know, all that. But but he's wrong here. And had I been at the SBC, I would have voted to disfellowship this church over this doctrinal matter. By, by going against the doctrine of the SBC, his church can no longer be in cooperation with the SBC. That doesn't mean we don't love him, love his church, but there's a doctrinal standard of being in the SBC, and his church no longer submits to it. The office of pastor, he says the office of pastor and the gifting of pastor are two different things. Um, I, I, I've never seen in scripture where pastoring is meant to be a gift. It's an office. He says if, if a woman is not allowed to be a pastor, we're no longer the denomination of Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. Well, that's interesting because Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong were not pastors. So I, I don't know how that's the case. He says if women can't be pastors, they're not able to fulfill the Great Commission. That's pretty diminishing to women. Really? So, so you're going to tell me that every faithful Christian woman in history that wasn't a pastor wasn't living out her potential? You're going to tell me something was wrong with Priscilla and Phoebe and Mary and Mary Magdalene and Elizabeth Elliot and Amy Carmichael and Fanny Crosby and Anne Steele and Corey Ten Boom and Susanna Spurgeon and Joni Erickson Tata and Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and Evelyn Greer and Bobby Summers and Shirley Stripling and Dolores Pierman and Marie Thompson and Sarah Griffin and Amelia Stripling and so many others because they weren't pastors really no the fact is God equips men and he equips women to play part in his kingdom As he says, Jesus gets to build his church, he gets to build it as he says so, and he has said that only men are to pastor. It's important for you to know these things and understand them so that you'll know your Bible and know how God intends things to be. So as I said as we started, there's certain things that come up from time to time in the SBC that you need to know about and you need to learn about, and this was one of those things. You need to know how to answer this question because it's going to come up. the more and more that our culture goes um, non-Christian, that's going to continue to come up. and it's going to be something that if you don't have an answer for, um, you'll either look foolish or you will um, or, or you'll give credence to the argument for somebody because they'll be able to outtalk you and outwit you. This is what Scripture says. Let's pray. Lord, Scripture says some hard things. We admit that. And we it says it in ways that we may be cringed and say, oh, why'd you say it that way? Why, why'd you say that about women being silent in that way? Um, Lord, may we have a hard time with that. But, Lord, we—we we, faith is trusting your word and trusting what it says, how it says it, and, and, and where it says it. And so we do that. We submit to your word. We try to understand it. We try to... Wrestle with it and understand it in our cultural context, and we pray that you strengthen our faith and, and help us know um, the, the truth of your word, understand what it's saying. Lord, I pray for churches in the SBC that, that may be um, wavering on this, as we've seen two churches do um, this previous SBC meeting, um, and, and many, how many more are, are, in, that, are in that place um, and just not saying anything. Lord, I pray that truth would reign. I pray that truth would be present. And Lord, I pray that we would hold to truth in a world that no longer wants the truth. No matter what people call us for it, no matter how we are viewed by the culture as it, we know that you're good, and we know that you understand all things. You understand what is true and what is right, even if it doesn't make sense. Help us, Lord, to value women, to put women in all the places that they can serve and do so well. So many women in this room right now that serve you so well. And, Lord, help them to do that. And, Lord, help men to stand up and do what they're to do. Because, Lord, the honest truth is that as we look at um, a lot of churches, it's not the, it's not the women that, that, are, that are serving God wrongly. It's the men not serving. And so, Lord, I pray that you would raise up men to do what they're called to do. Lord, I pray that Christ would be honored and glorified in our church and in all SBC churches, in Jesus' name.